If you've been with us for a while, you know we've been right here in this text, John 3.16. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he's explaining really what we call the gospel, the good news uh, in miniature for all who would dare believe and trust. Here's what Jesus says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. Shout, will not perish. But say, but shout, it will have eternal life. God, would you uh, open our minds and our hearts and work a miracle. Take broken flesh that you know so well that I am and work miracles for those of us who are here and those who are listening by uh, podcast or video for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. Please be seated. So if you've been with us uh, for a while, you know that what I have said is that Jesus is teaching us in this passage, in his dialogue with Nicodemus, what real love, what love at its best really looks like. And it's an opportunity for us to evaluate what we call love against what Jesus teaches is real love. And I've told you that in this verse, there's at least four characteristics to real love. Everybody shout, real love. Uh, first is uh, 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 generosity. Real love is generous. God gave. Second is extravagant. Real love is extravagant. It goes beyond what's necessary. Uh, He gave his one and only son. Third is it's uh, unconditional. Real love is unconditional. No strings attached. God gave the gift of his son long before we were on the planet. We get to accept it or reject it. Shout unconditional. And then thirdly, it's redemptive. Real love is redemptive. Now, when we say redemptive, what we mean is that uh, it, first of all, it restores life and purpose and value and hope. Uh, It comes right out of the text. It says, uh, if you trust in Jesus, even though death will speak into our lives, all of us will die. It says, we will not perish. But we will have eternal life. It means that those of us who put our trust in Jesus, what he's saying is that Jesus can be trusted that once we die, he will do for us what happened for him. He came back to life. He was resurrected. Shout new life. New life. So when you're dead, that means uh, your life is gone. Your hope is gone. Your purpose is gone. Your meaning is gone. But then when you miraculously come back to life, That means you've got a new beginning. That means that you've got a new sense of value, a new sense of purpose, a new hope. Therefore, uh, when you love people, uh, it should be uh, uh, redemptive because love redeems. You should be helping to bring hope and value and purpose and create new beginnings. Let me put it another way. Uh, uh, Love adds value. It adds value. It's part of being redemptive. Love redeems. Now, before love can add value, love has to see value. So here's a challenge I want you to go home with. I want you to go home and check with some people who are close to you in your, in your, in your love circle. And I want you to ask them, does the way I love you add value? Or does it take value away? Now, let me give you an example of how we love in a way that takes 
away value. It, it, it is loving in a way that never expresses that we see value. I'm talking about the person who's always negative. I'm talking about the person who interacts with their kids or interacts with their spouse or significant other or interacts with folk on their jobs. And that, 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 that whatever they say, most of what comes out of their mouth is that they're pointing out what's wrong, what's broken, what's inadequate, what needs to be fixed, what's not good enough. It, it, it never tends to see value. When they call you up on the phone, they say, child, let me tell you something. And it's never good news. They don't see the value. They, 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 they walk into the room, whatever room they walk into, a cloud follows them. That's you. That's, that's not love adding value. Stripping it. But love redeems. This is what we learn from God. Secondly, love does something else. If you take these four characteristics, love is generous, extravagant, goes beyond what's required, it's unconditional, it's redemptive, and you say, what's one word in the Greek that captures all of those? Well, in the Greek, it's agape. Everybody shout agape. Then if you say, well, what's one word in English that captures all of that? Ask the person, do you know the word? Ask somebody next to you, do you know the word? Do you know the word? Tell them no, but I can't wait to hear it. Tell them. The one word in the English that captures those four characteristics, watch it, is serve. Love serves. You go home, I want you to ask the people who are next close to you, uh, have you experienced the love that flows from me as a love that serves? Or are you the person who demands being served. Now, I want to point out something fascinating about God. Because the Bible says, God is love. And so, it's a fascinating insight. I've said this before, if you've been around for a while, you'll recall it. I love it. I want to put a spotlight on it today. Here's what the Bible teaches us about God. We know that God is all-powerful. Elder Ed put it out early this morning. God stepped out on nothing and he began to speak. And with his word, creation began to come into existence. God is the big bang. We know that God is all knowing, that God knows everything about you and everything about life around us, what's coming, etc. He's all knowing. We know that God is uh, ever present, that wherever we are in life, God is there. We cannot escape God's presence. He's, he's around. The psalmist says, where can I go to escape your presence? And the answer is, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. We expect these characteristics to be defining God. That's the kind of God we expect to encounter. There is another characteristic about God. It's a surprising characteristic. Everybody shout, Surprising. And it is that this all-powerful God that is everywhere at the same time, that is all-knowing, that this, this God we learn in Jesus Christ is also a God who serves. 
Elbow the person next to you. Say, wow. <laughs> this is shocking. I've never thought of God. And he serves you. What, what, what other explanation is there for John 3, 16? For God so loves the world, so loves you, that he gives his only begotten son that whosoever would dare trust in him would be redeemed, would be saved. That's a God who's serving you. Let me, let me make the point again from the Old Testament. Let pull the Psalms 23. You know that it starts, the Lord is my shepherd. Many of you have heard that. But it's in verse 5 that I find it be so fascinated. It, is a, it lifts a paradigm describing God. The psalmist, David, is praying to God. And here's what he says. And he reveals some insight about it. He says, you, O God, prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head. Look at a God that serves with all. And my cup overflows with blessings because you just keep refilling it and refilling it and refilling it. Shout, God serves. Shout, love serves. Of course God serves because God is love. Of course. Of course. This is the explanation from Mark uh, 10, 45. Disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. Jesus ultimately tells them, let the greatest among you be your servant. And what he says about himself, he says, for even the son of man, Jesus talking about he's the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others. And here's the redemption. Here's the added value. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Are you a part of the many? I'm a part of the many. Many. Do the people around you, if they had to describe you, would they say, man, he never looks to be served. She never looks to be served. They're always serving. Now, if you can't say that about the person next to you, just keep looking at me. So I want you to evaluate how you love Against the real thing. It's stretching. So, love redeems. Love serves. This is the third point. Clearly then, oh, let me. Anyone who purports to be a child of God or follower of Jesus should then have the DNA of how God loves Look at the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Here's what Jesus says. Verse 14. Here's what he says. And you remember the story? The night before he's crucified, he's helping the disciples to cram. He's crystallized the greatest, most important teachings. And here it is. He takes off his robe, he puts a towel around him, and he calls them, and he washes their feet, each of them. And then here's what he says. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, here's the, here comes the DNA, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you, here it is, an example to what? Follow. Do as I have done to you. See? DNA was supposed to be served. Now, ask the person next to you, when's the last time you loved like that? Ask them. Okay. Now, 
ask somebody else, just to be clear, when was the last time you washed somebody's feet? See, the washing of the feet is the greatest symbol of somebody who's willing to go the extra, extra, extra mile as a norm to serve. Is that who you are? Is that that how you love? Well, this is the third point. Loving God means, I mean, serving God means serving others. And in this principle is a secret hidden in plain view of how to make the world better, watch this, and how to make yourself better. Hidden in plain view. Everybody shout, sir! Let me tell a story. One of my favorite biblical stories is the great Good Samaritan. it's, It's framed up by an expert in the law comes and asks Jesus, what must he do to Inherit eternal life. A conversation about the commandments emerges. And then Jesus ultimately says all the commandments hangs on these two. You should love the Lord thy God with all of your mind. That's all your intellectual capacity. All of your heart. That's all of your passion. All of your soul. That's all of your spiritual existence. All of your might. He should be the first and foremost of, of, of your effort. Watch this. And love your what? neighbor as you love yourself. And so then this this religious expert wants to become philosophical with Jesus. And he states, he points to an ambiguity in the answer and he's thinking about, I believe, a second ambiguity. The the one that he doesn't speak about is this thing called love. Uh, 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 Really, how do you define love? What does it look like? How do I know it when I see it? I think he doesn't speak it, but that's that's the thought. He actually asks about the second ambiguity. Uh, And who is my neighbor? He looks at Jesus kind of squint, squint. Jesus sees an opportunity, and he answers it by telling a story that both says, here's how love, here's what love looks like when you see it, so you'll know it. And who's his, who your neighbor? He tells a story. He pulls these two characters in the story. He says, tell a story about a Jewish man and a Samaritan man. And in that day, the, 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 the Jewish, Jews and the Samaritans were separated. High racism and high classism was a barrier between the two. Could have come straight out of today's headline. And if you had asked the, the Samaritan, they said, I don't like the Jews because they, they, they think they're better than we are. And they have no dealing with us. They, and, and if you asked the Jews, the Jews would say, no, we don't want anything to do with them because they've perverted our faith and our religion and, 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 and they're, they're unclean and in some sense they're, they're inferior in their spirituality. And so Jesus pulled these two characters and he has the Jewish man who says he leaves Jerusalem, goes down towards Jericho and he falls among thieves. They beat him up, strip him, rob him and leave him there bleeding. The religious leaders come and they pass by. But this Samaritan comes. You remember the Samaritan and the Jew? They don't like each other. But he sees this man. He gets off his beast. And he gets his oil. And he tends to the man's wounds. And he puts the man on his 
peace. Jesus is describing a love that is, that is generous and that is extravagant. Look at that. And, 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 and then he takes him to the inn and he puts him in the inn and he says to the innkeeper, you take care of him. Here's some extra money to cover your expense. And evidently he would come through that way on a regular basis. So he says, and if it costs more than what I've given you, just put it on my tab. I'll pay when I get back. Come on now. And these are folk who don't love or like uh, each other. And Jesus is answering the question. And here we see uh, uh, not only generosity, not only extravagancy going beyond what's necessary. We see the, uh, the unconditionality and the redemptiveness. He's adding value. Shout unconditional. What I like about this guy, he does not say, and when he wakes up and gets better, Make him stay here and work for three weeks to pay off my bill. He doesn't say that. He does not say, here's my card. And make sure that when he gets on his feet, you give him my card. And you tell him I'm a Samaritan. So that the very next time he has the the nerve to, to, to twist his mouth to say something about Samaritans. He'll remember that it was a Samaritan that rescued. He doesn't say that. love serves and when Jesus says wow he says Jesus says there's a picture of love it serves and by the way there's your neighbor whoever's in need sounds like first Timothy verse 16 use your money to be rich towards others to serve those who are in need. Whoever is in need and in reach of your life, even if you don't like them. My God, my God, my God. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I'd illustrate. Because you might be sitting next to somebody you know. I want you to go in front or behind, turn to somebody and say, hello, neighbor, welcome, and give them a hug. Across race, across ethnicity, across gender. Look at it. Come on. Across divides. Hallelujah. All right, be seated. Come on, give God a hand praise. You just had to practice love. That's, these are the people you should be serving. Across the breadth of your life. Hmm. Love. Let me tell you something. I realize this is an insight. Took me all night to get it. So listen. <laughs> listen, listen. Jesus, as an expression of the Father, the conclusion is that in order to redeem humanity, God has to serve. For God loves the world so much that He gives His only begotten Son. The decision is made that in order to redeem you and redeem me so that death and sin will not have the last word in our lives that God has to serve so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Surely if there was another way to redeem the world, God would have chosen rather than giving up his one and only son. 
Surely there was another way to redeem you and to redeem me without having to serve at such a sacrificial level. Surely God would have chosen it. What is the insight? Here it is. It's a secret hidden in plain view. And here's the insight. The only way to redeem us and to redeem the world, God had to serve. So the lesson is, serving is the indispensable formula for making the world better and for making your life better. You can't become all God wants you to be unless you have the capacity to serve. It's indispensable. You want a better family life? Learn to serve. You arguing and fighting with your significant other? You say, I've been fight- we've been fighting for months. All right. I got some help for you. This, this, you don't have to pay me $100 an hour. I'm just going to give it to you free. Come on now. Marriage love counsel. Here it is. Stop fighting. Start serving. Make a mutual commitment that for the next 30 days. Wait. Here's an insight. Watch it. In order to do this, well, listen. For the next 30 days, you're going to give up your right to be selfish. Oh, y'all ain't listening. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If anybody had a right to be selfish, it was God. And he gave up his right to redeem you. That's the secret. I'm not trying to persuade you not to be selfish because you know, you said, look, I've been, I've done this and that and so forth for him. And you said, you know, she just hurt me and broke my heart and all of that. You know, you, I've got the right to be selfish. All right, let's just concur. Give it up. Mutual agreement for 30 days. Here's you, here you do. Here's what you agree. For the next 30 days, you will be each other's slave. Or I'm trying to get it, put it where you can get it. I did say each other. I'm going to outslave you. I'm going to outserve you. If you do it, I promise you, in 30 days, you'll have a different relationship. Want to raise better kids? Come on now, the indispensable formula for a better life and for your best self is in service. You want to raise better kids? Teach them young how to serve. You know, my grand and grand uncle, uh, you know, I thought, I mean, I didn't like it. I just thought they were turning me into a slave, but in fact, they were turning me into a servant. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I can still hear it today. You know, uh, one of my grand uncles said, boy, turn on that TV. And didn't have a remote control back there. So I turned the TV on. So I said, turn the channel. So go turn the channel. So we didn't have cables. had an antenna. That boy, I can't see. Go stretch that. Turn it. Hold it right there. <laughs> Teaching me to serve. I, I didn't realize he's disrupting my life. Come on. Boy, go in the car. I left my glasses in the car. Go in the car and get my glasses. 
my grand aunt, my grand aunt, take us to church. We go to church an hour early. Grandma, why are we here an hour early? Because I want to sweep the sun. Sweep! And she said, sweeping the... And I used to hate it because she sweeps. That means I had to sweep. She dust, I had to dust. Clean. And then, and then they needed to hire a janitor. I'll never forget it. About 13, 14 years, the church said, we need to hire a janitor. My mama said, hire my boy. <laughs> How much you going to pay me? They say, we can just pay him about $12 a month. A month? You mean an hour? No. A month. And my grandma said, that's too much. He'll do it. <laughs> you know what she was teaching me? To serve. You know, some of y'all will walk in the house after working all day, paying for the rent, paying utilities, them bought your kids nice tennis shoes, nice clothes. And you're exhausted. You come in there and you cook, men and women. And you finish, you wash the dishes. Come on now. And they sit in there playing PlayStation. And you allow it. Come on now. Well, why, well, why are you allowing that? Well, I just want them to focus on their education so that they can be what? Wealthy what? Oh, influential what? Successful. Well, let me just tell you. Do you know that you can be wealthy and a lousy human being? Do you know that you can be successful and influential and just stink as a person? Do you know that? Focus on raising good people. The rest will come. You're not doing them a favor by not teaching them to serve. You're teaching them to be entitled. So, let's wrap this up. Ask the person next to you, are you getting the point? <laughs> Whatever the level of serving in your life, you got to up your game. Up your game. Serving starts in the church for folk who would, who would be believers. So it's right here. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Here's what Paul says. This is all of you together, Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. God has called you to make this your, your, your worshiping, your spiritual home, your worshiping community. Some of you come, you know, once every six weeks, uh, once every three or four weeks, uh, once every several months. But if we ask you, what's your church home? You'll say, New Beginnings. We like that. We claim you. But if you are coming and sitting and not serving, there's a hole here. It's in the shape of you. And it's not being filled. Right? You, 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 you're, you're the volunteer musicians that we're looking for who can, who, can, who can raise up a band here and also launch a new band in San Jose in the campus. You're the one we're looking for. You're, you're, there's a hole here. Come on. You're, you're, you're the vocalist. I look up here all the time and I see just African Americans up here. I'm like, man, there's only black people good singers. I mean, don't we have some Asians, some Latinos, some white folk who love God? Can you not come up here, come on now, and give God some praise? There's a hole you need to fill. There's a greeting hole you need to fill. 
You're not a park and you wave and smile. Now, if you wave and frown, we don't need you there. <laughs> we find some other place. Let me lift up four of our superstars who serve every week. And you don't have to serve every week. Some of you just start, you'll just serve once a month. These people, they, they, they worship one and they serve one. Right? Superstars. They're part of our dream team of servants. First one here. Jeff Marks, he and his wife Jean have been with us from the very beginning. Jeff is an occupational therapist who works with disabled and challenged young people every day of his work life. And some of you don't know that we're one of a handful of churches in the peninsula who has a special needs program built into our kids' ministry. You ought to celebrate that. That's the truth. We have a class that has a wide range of disabilities there, and <clears throat> teaching people the love of Jesus, these young people. And we, for some, uh, we need a uh, one-on-one buddy. Camillo is his one-on-one buddy, his, his, uh, his, uh, his, his special and gifted and love-filled student. And so I asked him, I said, why do you go to work, do this every day, and then you're going to come here to church? I mean, I think you just want to rest. Why do why you, why you want to serve budding up? He said, Pastor, it's a two reasons. One, it's for what I can give. And two, it's for what I receive. I said, well, what do you mean give? He said, listen, I know that 80 to 90% of parents who have special need kids, their marriage ends in divorce. He says, so if I can show up, oftentimes, he, he, sometimes he likes to worship one servant, sometimes he can only just pick one because of his schedule. And he said he always makes the choice based on if the parents are coming because he says, if I can just give them an hour of respite, I, don't, I not only love the kid, I love them. Yeah. And then he says, then he says, he says, and then I do it for what I receive. I said, what do you receive? He says, he says, he says kids with special needs they see the world through a unique lens. And they have so much to teach us. Uh, I said, what do you teach? He said, he says, I learn uh, regularly from Camillo and from my other special need kids uh, uh, that, that, that the things that make you happy and bring you joy should be the little things. He says, that reinforces me, and, and, and it's in a conversation, it's in a laughter, it's in a, it's in a joke, it's in a, it's in a toy, it's in a play, it's in, it's in spending time. It's the little things. And so, on the one hand, he's saying, I'm helping the disciple Camillo and his parents. On the other hand, they're helping the disciple me. And then there's, there's Ollie here. He and his wife, Janet, serves. He's been since the beginning. I said, Holly, how did you start? He's retired. I said, how did you start? He said, he said my wife and daughter. I said, Dad, come on in here and serve with us. <laughs> how powerful it is when families will commit to serving together. And some families will, some serve at this gathering, some serve at the other gathering. But when Sunday's over, they've served together. And they exchange stories. He said, Ollie said, well, I just showed up in the fourth grade. I figured I'd just sit there kind of like a grandfather figure and play with the kids. He says, but then love overtook my heart. 
He got deeper and deeper involved. Now he's the room coach at 8.30 for the fourth through, I think, fifth, sixth graders. And he says, I'm all in. He says, I'm totally invested. I said, well, just give me one reason why. He said, he said, many of our parents who come, they're single parents. And when they bring their kids, uh, they, 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 they drop it off. They need to know their kids are going to be loved while they, they get a respite. They get some worship. They get some renewal. He said, secondly, many of our kids don't have a male figure in their life. But I'm here every Sunday, he says. Every Sunday, I'm a grandfather. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a figure of, of, of love that serves dressed up in maleness for these kids. And he says, and so my message to the other men in the house is, come on, roll up your sleeve. We need you in our kids' ministry. We need you in our students' ministry. And if somebody's kind of worried about, you're just going to let everybody know, we'll core you and sore you and all that kind of stuff. Because we want to make sure we keep our kids safe. But we need more men. That's what Ali says. That's what he says. And I could almost hear Jesus whispering through that conversation, let the little children come to me so I can love them. And then Lily, she's amazing. You see the smile on her face? She shows up here at 8 o'clock every Sunday. Yeah, Lily has two jobs. She's assistant manager of a restaurant, and then she is the uh, 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 training manager in a retail store. She's got two jobs. I would think she'd be exhausted. She'd just come in, sit on the seat to be ministered to, and so she'd be renewed. I said, why did... And she serves every week. I said, why? She said, Pastor... She said, I feel like if I just came and sat and sung and listened and left, I wouldn't grow. She says, it's the call to serve in my community to put into action what I hear. That's how I grow. If some of you are thinking, well, you know, I don't feel like I'm growing. You know, the sermon and the music seems all the same. Well, are you serving Being stretched to love beyond your boundaries. Please don't tell me you don't have time. God gave up his only begotten son. As busy as God is, he serves. Can't you? Life. Oh, I have to tell you about this. Jessica, here she is. Do you know that Jessica lives two towns on the other side, south of Santa Cruz? And she drives here every week. She's Lily's partner, by the way, a partner in serving uh, these kids, the infants and toddlers. And, 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 and by the way, uh, Jessica, I said, Jessica, what, why are you? That's a lot. I said, where you work? She said, I work in Santa Clara. I said, you drive up here? She said, I drive up here four days a week. We're in this traffic. And then you'll get in your car and drive back. I said, why do you do that? She said, well, you know, I used to be a person who sit on the pew and the seat and just listen. She said, but one day, one, one day I heard you preach and you said that serving is a part of my growing as a Jesus follower. Then she said, I went home and I heard a preacher in New York preach a similar service, sermon. And here's what he said. He said, Jesus did not die on a cross so you could sit in a seat. 
You can go ahead and say that again. Mm. <laughs> he died so you could serve. You could serve. She said, that moment, I started, and it doesn't start. She said, it didn't start perfectly for me. She said, I started special needs, and I love the kids, but it wasn't a fit for me. She said, I went to fourth grade, and I served there for a little bit. I love the kids, but it really wasn't a fit for me. She said, but then when I got to the infants and toddlers, she said, boom, it exploded. It was a powerful connection. She says, I'm not a mother, but I have a mother's heart. How wonderful it is for you parents who drop your infants and toddlers off to know that there, that there are people there loving on your kids with mothers and fathers' hearts. Amen. If you come here, this is your home, and you are not serving, I'm coming to an end here. This is your day to turn the page. 